So in these curious times, I am already on lockdown, but my wife and I have gone out twice since I started lockdown, which was last Tuesday officially. On Friday, we went out. We had to deliver our tax documentation to our accountant. And also we had to pick up some boxes and do a bunch of other stuff. And, you know, I had to go into the office and things like that. And it really was very fascinating going out because you got a sense that there's a still a large percentage of the population that isn't taking this thing seriously. Still out wandering around, what have you. My wife and I very decadently went out for sushi, sat down, and in parallel to this watched the president, although there was no subtitles, but watched his face at least on the news, declaring a full state of emergency, whatever that means. So that was our first venture out. It was a sunny day, just walking around, re- adjusting one's eyes, which seems to be a major thing when you're physically shut down in a house. And I feel very lucky, actually, that we have this place now, because I think if we didn't have a house, if we were an apartment complex still, we'd go nuts. So the luxury of having a house is certainly well felt by us. And the second time we went out was this morning. My wife said, why don't we go to Costco? And I thought, well, that really is throwing yourself into the beast. And the nature of the confinement that we have is that if either of us have symptoms after five days worth of contact and really it's only my wife and i we don't see other people so we could be slightly well we were today slightly more reckless than probably we should be and we went out to costco and you got a sense from costco although it was relatively orderly that this really was a new phenomena there wasn't a lot of i didn't we didn't buy any toilet paper, was a lot of toilet paper buying. but there were certainly a lot of people doing a lot of heavy shopping and one of the more disturbing incidents was a fellow who was coughing on a child and live blogging it. And when that happened, my wife and I just looked at each other and we both had the thought, we just got to get out of here. This thing is just too nuts, even for us. And it was really surreal because we kind of, we were all avoiding people, really. We were just moving around somewhat like zombies. And then you come across the scene, which is just this fellow with a kid up on a I don't know, even know what it was, a crate of canned soda or something, uh, where the guy is live vlogging through something, you know, and coughing on the kid at the same time. And you're just like, we're doing something that's stupid, <laughs> like demonstrably stupid. And the police were out, which was interesting. They had a road traffic accident. Well, there weren't actually police standing around. There was just a road traffic accident with cruiser cars with their lights on. And we couldn't actually see any police around from that. It looked like a pretty sizable road traffic accident. We've been reflecting, or perhaps I've been reflecting more than my wife associated with what happens if there's a social breakdown of any order. And although I took a mean game, we don't actually own any firearms. <laughs> so I do wonder as this thing evolves how crazy it's going to get. But yeah, I think we comfortably feel that we have probably at least two weeks to a month's worth of food. I made myself a little thing tonight. We're both making our own dinners. I made myself a little thing with canned tomatoes, a frozen beef patty that had been basically char-cooked, and uh, yeah, some Chinese noodles that I had smuggled away somewhere. And I think what we're doing now is just, I don't know, we might do a tuna bake. <laughs> but yeah, small semblances of normalcy, and then a lot of multivitamins and just wondering... You know, when we'll see onions again. I should really go through my seeds at this time and produce a good victory garden. I don't even know where my seeds are, actually. 
I've got little bits and pieces of seeds and I'm growing chilies currently. But yeah, it would be quite fun to actually grow a, a sensible victory garden through all of this. Uh, note to self, something to do for the future. It's been really rainy as well, so there's not really been much opportunity to go out into the garden at all. The Particularly the, I don't know what we'll call them, I guess the super hot chilies that I'm growing, there was a dip in temperature. So they basically took a hit from that. I actually have them inside because they're too weak to deal with the, I don't know what the translation is into Celsius, but low 40s that we're hitting now. Not something for, you know, seven pot habaneros or seven pot douglas or the other super hot chilies that I'm growing. So yes, tending to those. And the animals are doing very well. The cats are just loving us being here. And yeah, it's an interesting time particularly when you project how long this whole thing is going to go on for. And I think reasonable estimates seem to indicate probably at least two months. So being locked down for two months and working through all this stuff, I'm I'm relatively thankful that I have a job that is accommodating for this, at least accommodating for this now. So, yeah, we'll just have to see what happens. But my real concern is the breakdown of things like water and electricity, because I think it was last weekend we went for eight hours without water and that was particularly unpleasant and i think these kind of unpleasantries are only going to become more possible as things continue to break down i've saw online my friend bob mottram posted some basic curve fitting statistics associated with reported cases he had a model online and a few people have contacted me because nominally i have some connection with (laughs) simulation particularly you know agent simulation, potentially pandemic simulation. And what interests me with regards to Bob Mottram's data is it's based purely on the released figures. I think there's a substantial number of untreated and potentially already dead people that are not being tracked by anyone. They have to be discovered. So all the figures are now about people that have been formally tested, and I think in every country I've read about... The nature of the testing is so heavily formalized, oh, sorry, so heavily formalized and procedurized that it's very unlikely that even a percentage of the, a small percentage of the population that has this thing has actively been tested for it. And moreover, the death rates associated with this are intentionally lower because of the formality of actually getting a death count that is remotely accurate. I think what will happen potentially, and if you read the now, I don't know, leaked CDC stuff, they seem to indicate that hundreds of thousands of people in the US will die. So that seems to be relatively accurate by my back of napkin calculations. And we live in Santa Clara County, which is now referred to as the Santa Clara Cluster, which I think is beautiful because I've always thought of Santa Clara as a cluster since I started living here. Anyway, the Santa Clara Cluster indicates... US-wide, even within California, relatively high numbers, but I actually think they're probably far closer to being accurate, even maybe off by a factor of 10 currently, than numbers that have been reported elsewhere. So it is really very interesting coming to this from a simulation background. I was reading online a fellow who said that this is going to be, what we're seeing currently is the first smaller wave of a second wave which will hit next Northern Hemisphere winter. So what we're experiencing here, which people are projecting potentially for a month or two months, actually is going to be at least a two-year phenomena. 
which is very interesting projecting forward. I don't know how, in the most extreme capitalist country in the world, this thing is going to play out. And I'm incredibly lucky currently. I'm not sure if I'll be lucky in a year's time. I'll have to wait and see. But yeah, certainly the nature of still having work and not being reliant on the state is really phenomenal. How long that'll hold on for, who knows. The way in which corporations deal with this as well is very interesting. My wife's gym, for example, has sent out an email saying they're going to close the gym. Well, they've got to stop charging us gym membership as well, right? So there are all these adjustments that are going to happen. Certainly the often touted gig economy, the nature of Uber and food delivery and all these kind of things that have shown themselves really in the past three to five years here in the San Francisco Bay Area, these seem to be things that are just in the past. They don't seem to follow the format of what's coming in the future. And it begs the question, what happens to all these people in this circumstance as well? So I think my greatest concern here is that there is going to be an increasingly large number of angry people that are not happy with a variety of things, and there is no political answer to this. I seem not necessarily that I offered some narrative to this in my Stone Ape podcast, but I do think this is a situation currently that our you know small switch kind of capitalist readjustment just doesn't really have any meaningful answers for. I recorded the last podcast indicating that when you study these things or have any, you know, previous thinking about these things, the parallels associated with what happens when they actually occur means that you can come to certain judgments which perhaps the general public doesn't talk about or doesn't even want to utter. But it is really a very interesting time. And I reflect in particular the elimination of international travel for me, has been a really hard cut because basically all my hopes and dreams existed in international travel. So without that now, I have a room full of very curious historical processions which may be picked over by looters and raiders in the not-too-distant future, and that really represents my, you know, self, aside from all this audio online. So I'm spending a bit of time working on the APSDK. I was contacted by a fellow in Iran a couple of days ago, well, probably a day ago, saying very clearly that he had used my simulation work historically, and as he was currently on lockdown, he wanted to look at this again. His story is that he was presented with the idea of artificial life in 2008 and independently found my work. It wasn't part of the organized state-run program that I saw, or at least felt, coming from Iran through the 2000s which was very curious. For a period of time, Iran accounted for a substantial portion of my traffic onto my site, a substantial portion of the downloads, at least, of the source code. So I always knew I had Iranian users. I just never had any contact with them because they never contacted me. And my suspicion was that it was part of some formalized university education. This guy is a graduate from Tehran University, Tehran Technical University. And my suspicion is I might have actually scared him off. <laughs> Contact me at this kind of time and ask me that you're interested in working on my stuff. See what I present. Well, here are two YouTube videos and uh, more documentation than probably you could read in a week. But I thought it was really very interesting because it made me refocus on some of the stifling bugs in the urban simulation and realize that, you know, I've got to get those fixed early, which thankfully in some cases I've been able to do. Although there's a relatively sticky bug with the release build version, which limits the scaling factor which I'm working on currently, or at least looking at currently. 
What's fascinating here is that I still have a full model rail radio that I'm yet to produce. My hope was that I was going to do it this weekend, but this weekend was just so strangely nihilistic as well that I just didn't get it out. I ended up doing little things like spending time with my wife and, as I say, in my other podcast, My Rules Are Better, going through a huge kind of collation organization and indication of duplicates based on, I don't know, 15, 20 years worth of storage not giving me access to stuff or some might narrate extreme hoarding behavior as well but let's just see so you know these things as they arrive currently are taking more of my time than producing model rail radio but i'm actually going to do a model rail radio recording i think maybe if not next weekend the weekend following which i plan on making relatively long and luxurious if we get callers because one of the things that's happening currently is obviously people are returning to their hobbies en masse as they are now locked down, and it would be really nice to have a long model rail radio discussion to talk about this some more. So, these are my thoughts currently. I thought I'd put them out in audio form, maybe in a bonus recording. Just get this out to the listening audience to see what others are thinking about. And please, please utilize this time to get in contact with me. Even if you've never gotten in contact with me previously, I love those emails the most, in fact. Um, not saying that I don't like regular listeners' emails, too. But my email address is barbele, which is my name at gmail.com. So bravo alpha romeo, bravo alpha lima echo tango at gmail.com. And similarly, feel free to add me on Facebook or connect with me on Facebook as well. If you're enjoying these particular recordings, I'll endeavor to try to keep them coming out as long as I can, as long as I have electricity and voice. And yeah, it's very, very interesting times currently. <laughs>